So I have a question for both of you guys. As soon as we're talking about that, getting kids ready for the college level. So when, when do you guys think is a good time to teach technique and tactics? Technique never stops. Yeah. And one thing Jason say all the time is if you stop using something, you lose it. Mm -hmm. Technique, the way we like to play, technique is the most important part of the game. Look, one thing I, I always say is you can pull any kid at any level, depending on who their coach is, and ask them, Tactically, what do we want to do defensively and offensively? And they'll tell you, we're supposed to be here, we're supposed to be here, defensively supposed to be here, we're supposed to stop them from doing that. But can they actually execute it? No. So with all the tactical knowledge that these kids have, if you can't execute it under pressure, you're going to be a great coach. That's pretty much what it is. And the difference between the level of play is who can handle it at the highest level, at the fastest speed. With the now you have a second yes, to sir. make a decision instead of a minute. And if you can't execute at that level or any high level, who cares about your tactics? Your tactics will get you. At, it, depending on who your coach is, your tactics will get you sitting down beside <laughs> coach, yeah. talking to the people like, "Hey, man, this is what we should do. This is what we should do." Okay, cool. Now's your turn. Can you actually do it? No. So whose fault is that? Is it the coach not instilling enough technical stuff in their training? Or is the kid not going home doing enough? But if your program is not asking kids to juggle every day, then clearly it's the program. But if your program is checking off all the boxes technically and tactically, and your player is still not there, well, what are you doing at home? You playing Fortnite? Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. You playing Rocket League? Okay. Well, <laughs> there you have it. You got to be honest with yourself. Yeah. But back to what you said, James, I don't think technical mm -hmm. training ever stops because you need it every time you play. Yes, sir. Yeah. You'll and see they, more technical errors than tactical errors in the game. But no one really talks about that, even at the highest level. I, 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 was, watch, I was listening to, um, I was watching the EPO game. It was years ago. And they said the EPO is so fast, you don't even know the technical mistake. Because as soon as the mistake happens, somebody goes running in, slide tackle, win the ball back. You didn't say anything about his bad first touch. Yep. You can say anything about the way he received the ball. You know what I mean? But what jumps out was easy for people to, to recognize, oh, yeah, he should have shifted three yards to the right to cut that pass off. Everybody can see that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, like I said, James, I, I think technical training never stops. Yeah. And yeah. depending on – I'm sorry, last thing. Depending on your technical level, depending on what you can do tactically. If you don't have the technique to do <clears> – <throat> As an example, if you want your, your four and your five to hit the diagonal ball to seven and eleven, but they don't have the ability to do that, or the seven and eleven can't bring can't bring the ball down, scrap that out of your tactical work. Yes, sir. You know the ball can't be played and the player can't receive it. So now you gotta say, okay, four and a five, find the six, find the two and the three, maybe find the eight, depending if you have that range of passing. You know what I mean? So it, it comes down to the player's ability. Yeah, James, I, I I don't those two I don't for us are not mutually exclusive, right? Like you don't just hammer away on technique without the inclusion of of the tactic, right? Even down to the one v one. So when we introduce footwork to players at the earliest age, right, even though they have some space to be unopposed, we're gonna put them in a one v one situation, which for us is is the groundwork for everything else, right? So that's the first tactic is one v one. Right. And I remember us having a a very intense conversation at a previous uh, club 
about uh, 1v1s, right? And they wanted to adopt the uh, U.S. soccer model. And what we were what we were teaching is, is not about that um, until you look at the grassroots roadmap and realize that 1v1 is one of the first things that they ask from kids, right? So, again, go back to who is leading the work in these places, right? Yeah. And this is where things start to surface. And so, to your question, James, they're not mutually exclusive. The, the moment that you introduce the ball to a kid, it's already tactics happening. Right, they're just the foundational skills for the more advanced things, and I think that's what what Alice was getting to. You know, we if you don't progress technically, then the, the tactics that you may want to employ they they don't they'll never be realized because you don't have the players who can can play in that style. So we have a heavy commitment to both. How can you bet on the back if you can't control the ball? And that's what everybody wants to do, right? I mean, I think Pep says. Pep got rid of half the players at Man City his first year. Why? Yeah. Because they can't build out the back. So he said, I'm going to get players that can do that. Yeah. Same thing at Barcelona. Look, I, mean, I say this all the time. Barcelona tactics are not something that no one can figure out. Like, wow. You know what I mean? No, nah, you know what you can't figure out? You can't. You, there's no answer for Messi. Yeah. No answer for Neymar. And he has to job Busquets. You can't solve for them because you don't know what they can do. They can do everything. There's no difference between what Barcelona tried to do and, and Burnley. It's the players. Those players are phenomenal at Barcelona, so it makes the tactics look out of this world. The simple overlap looks amazing because the technique is there. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mike, the answer to your question, Mike, <laughs> we were talking about this, but you got answered it really well. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna say anything. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Um, here's something I want to touch on, though, which is um, this is this you know this is not something that just is discussed a lot, but it's really you know when you a star and you know we've all been in situations and, and you know I recall the situation myself, but I want to get you guys take on it and how you handle it. Especially this is gonna be useful for a lot of you know the kids we train. Yes, sir. Um, and develop that really want to go very far. So the, the, you know, it really is your experience being a young star and, you know, you were always in the limelight and, you know, you started every game and, you know, you did, you got busy, et cetera. You did this in, you know, high school club, college, and then, you know, you go in pro or semi pro ranks and then, it could be injuries or age or whatever it is. And then you get to that point where you're not, you're not that guy anymore. Or you're not viewed as that guy, you know, because it, I mean, I'm, I don't want to make this about me, but like in your mind, you're still that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. In your mind, you're still that guy. And, yeah. and you've always had that same mind when you were, you know, younger and everybody else had that mind about you, that, that perspective on you. But now, in this now you're on the bench, you know what I mean? Like you're you're watching the game and you're coming in and playing. And so how do you handle that and bounce back and you know your response to that? And I think the part of the reason I bring this up is because you know, a lot of we know a number of talented young kids, and really giving them those tools early, I think would be extremely useful. For me, it would have been extremely useful. Um, 
you know, as a young player? I got um, I got a, I got a great story. I remember at Crystal Palace, we lost our first game for nothing. Coach bitch every bitch me and kept everybody else. It was my fault. So I said, okay, cool. But now I'm going. Yeah, man, no names. You know what I mean? It, it is what it is. Respect to them. But it was the first time I ever had to sit on the bench and watch my team play. And now we're going on a winning streak. Mm. I didn't, mm. and I didn't know. And I remember we scored a goal. I think it was a game winning goal. I didn't know how to react because I'm used to being on the field. Yeah. And the coach looked at me and was like, damn, you can't even check your team on? Yeah. I want to, but this is new experience for me. Yes. And not only that, I knew I wasn't the reason why we lost the first game. I know I played well. Everybody said I played well. So as a player and as a young man, how do you internalize, okay, I'm sitting on a bench, but I don't know why. I don't understand it. So it was a process that I had to go through. I'm like, you know what? Regardless of what they think, Put my head down, continue to work, continue to work, continue to work. You will get that opportunity again. And when you get the opportunity again, you understand this could be your last opportunity. So understand that, take it for what it is. And I, mean, I, I think I, I thought I always put 110% on it when I played. Now I think I went 150 because I never wanted a reason for a coach to say it was my fault and I got us on the bench. And watch my team win. I was happy for my teams because we, my, my teammates, could be trained together. We put in the blood, sweat, and tears together. But I just didn't know how to deal with that. I've never had to deal with that before. Like you said, I, I'm usually the center of the attention. But outside of that, it goes back to what I said earlier about creating human beings on and off the court or on and off the field. So you're not just defined by that. You know what I mean? You have a personality. You are somebody even when you step away from soccer. And I think that's one of the biggest things that helped me, that helped Jason. But there's a lot of players who don't have an identity outside of the game. So now when the game is gone or when they're going through a bad time, if you're only known for being successful on the field, now what? You know what I mean? So it's very important that coaches or their environment uplift during the good times, during the bad times, and also on the field and off the field. So that that was my experience with that. And trust me, it was hard. It, it was some times where I – and you guys know Larry. This time Larry took me to go play ball, and I, I'm walking around because I couldn't figure out why I wasn't playing. Like, I almost wanted to quit the game. You know, there was no one to talk to me about, oh, what are you going through? It's how you deal with it. Actually, I got back to loving the game again. It's going back to play with Jason and those guys, playing pickup, mm-hmm. laughing, enjoying the moment again. You know what I'm saying? Getting the love for the game back. But then that's another conversation. People don't care about pickup like that. People don't understand that pickup is bigger than just pickup. Yes, sir. Pickup allows you to be free. Pickup allows you to experiment and do things and have fun and enjoy yourself. Not worry about somebody looking at you with the, the coach's eye. But you want to go enjoy yourself? Go enjoy yourself. You want to laugh? Go laugh. And go get the love for the game back. So that was kind of my experience in that in, in that situation. I try to pass that down to the kids as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had that conversation with a player today, uh, post match. But um, yeah, I think for me, that probably hit a little bit earlier. So in college, when we talked earlier about having that surgery, my freshman year, it was my second in three years. 
And then I had another in my junior year. And so I think through a combination of things um, where, where Howard was wonderful in a lot of ways, it was also a challenging environment from um, a form perspective, right? Like trying to get back to a place where you are hitting the net consistently, right? So you, you're coming into a space, there's all of this buzz around, you know, <laughs> which is supposed to be what you want to do, et cetera, et cetera. And then you fall on hard times. You're not mentally where you need to be. Um, and it's hard for you to kind of get back on form in terms of the goal scoring aspect. Um, it can be extremely challenging. So I think he, like to Alex's point, like he, he also had Larry with him at Crystal Palace. And so that was important. And, you know, I had my brothers, including Alex and others around me who continue to like be uplifting and support. And um, I think those who don't have that support are in an environment where they may be extremely isolated. Um, I tell people all the time, like had I gone somewhere else with the surgeries that I had, I may have never played again in college, right? But because I was with Tucker, not only did I play again, he gave me more responsibility and and you know making me a captain, right? So that that shifts your focus to a different space because now it's not just about you're not in your head about what you're doing every day. Um, you have other people that you, you that you have to think about as you should in, in a team environment. Um, but I think. Had I been elsewhere, that probably would have been a, a much bigger struggle um, than it was to come out of that situation and still pursue professional soccer. So um, I think I think environment is key. And it, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Right. Advocacy. Right. Program environment. Um, and having those two things can be uh, advantageous, especially when you need them the most. Right. Everything's good when everything's good. Um, but it's when you're going through those really tough times that you need people to just be able to pick you up, get your mind in a different space and, and, and keep going. Uh, that, was a, that was a good question. And, and to that, that had me think about my injury coming in Howard. I had a torn ACL and I didn't come in with Jason and those guys. You know what I mean? I came in by myself. I was older than everybody. But back to Coach Tucker, and I, I give much respect to some of the people that he had at the school opened up to me. They had no, they didn't have to. The Marcos of the world, Jelani's, the Jabbar, the Courtney James. I'm coming as a freshman. I'm hoping because first I'm not playing. Got a brace. They embraced me like I was their brothers. They looked out for me. They made sure even though I'm going through rehab and not playing, I felt like I was part of the group. So I wasn't, like Jason said, I wasn't isolated. And I didn't know these guys, but because of the type of people that Coach Tucker brought into Howard, they opened up to me, embraced me like family, and we're family to this day. So that that definitely helped. Once again, if I went to another school and I tore my ACL I'm by myself, I probably came home. Yeah, you know what I mean. So having those people around that just great people, good people in your corner plays a huge part. Yeah. All right. Um, you know, we're gonna do at least maybe three. <laughs> three uh, sessions of these, uh, a few of them are going to be in person. Before we wrap up, though, I, I want you both to kind of give a, um, you know, a brief overview of where you are currently 
um, you know, in the process of, you know, developing, not, not, de- I mean, pretty much form, forming your club uh, city and, you know, how can folks that are interested get in touch and what, you know, what are you looking for? The philosophy of city, et cetera. Well, this is the thing we're going to Yeah, I think, you know, we, this, this has been um, a process that started some time ago. Uh, I was both coached in multiple clubs in the area. Um, you know, we've done our due diligence in terms of um, taking programs through long-term player development um, plans and so forth. And I think what we kind of just both arrived at and as the landscape, continue, landscape continues to shift is, you know, how do we continue to support, advocate for the communities that we try to build? Because um, we've always done this inside of other people's structures, right? Um, so like most people don't know the history of uh, Maryland United, right? People forget that they were they were free state. Yes, sir. Right. There was a merger that took to that merger word, right? A merger <laughs> that took place um, before that. And we were a part of the reason why that kind of started to come together. Um, we also been in places where we've had programs that or clubs that didn't support our programming, right? Um, in, in our style and so forth. And so at some point, you got to make a decision about what makes sense for the kids that you serve, right? And you don't want to be a person who continues to have to take teams out to protect children, right, out of a club. That's not that's not a great sort of reputation, even if you're doing it for the right reasons. So, okay, we've tried to work inside other people's structures. Um, those structures aren't aligned with our core values. No worries. We'll just do our own thing. Now, this is kind of a second iteration, right? Alex and I actually were working together over a decade ago um, where we had a program that was started out of Trinidad Rec Center with ACG Academy. The challenge was all of our peers who we were trying to support at that time were very young, right? We were all just getting started in our in our careers. And you know, the, the early game with the young kids is not where the money is, right? You got to grow before there's going to be consistent revenue. And so you maybe had a travel team at that time. That probably wasn't a, a start that you were looking to, to take where you know that you weren't going to get paid the same amount. So I, I got it. You know, I understood where people were. But I think I had already been around a little bit in part because I had worked with CAB at several different clubs. Um, and I could see you know, that we, we just do things differently and that's okay. I'm not knocking anybody's process. Um, but if you're going to do well by children in the way that you have it planned out, there are other roadblocks that exist in clubs. Some clubs only allow a two-year structure. We don't really support that, right? Because if it's not connected over the course of the trajectory of the child, then you're only influential for two years. It's not like I'm handing off to Alex and I know we're moving from what we what we typically teach at U9 and U10, and I know he can handle U11 and U12 because there's a continuum, right? There may be a, 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 a sharp curve and pivot to a different way of, of learning and a different curriculum with, just between two coaches, right? We saw that in, in the last club we were in. 
And we see the detriment of that. So this is about now, one, we both have, you know, now 14, 15 plus years of experience coaching, developing, coaching other coaches, um, you know, at all levels of the game from grassroots all the way through college. And we want to be in a space in the city in which we grew up in, right, um, and developed in to provide an opportunity for a larger soccer community to develop in the vision that we have, right? So looking to engage local communities um, with some free clinics to just kind of let people know who we are, what we're about, et cetera, et cetera, introduce sort of our philosophy um, and, and intro kids into the game the way we were intro to the game, right? Because I remember falling in love with the game at the age of five because of a similar push by, by Coach Tucker. Um, and then eventually those who want to be a part of that process with us, will start, you know, we're looking for kids from four to seven because that's going to be the groundwork for everything else. This is not a, you know, a two-year project, right? This is what we hope is going to be um, a lifelong project and something that has legacy. And when, you know, Alex's son Amir is older, if he wants to coach, like this is a place where he can grow, develop and be mentored and continue to give back and my son and so forth. So this is a long-term project and this is just the beginning of it. Um, and we hope that, that, you know, at the end of the fall, we've got our first core group of kids that will be, you know, the long-term model for what we show everybody else coming behind them. Nice. Nice. Alex, you want to add anything? I, th I think Mr. Close summed it up pretty well. Um, yeah, we're tired of seeing kids being mishandled. You know what I mean? So, and we care so much. How can we affect a large number of players and instead of just our isolated individual groups? So the best way to do that is start a club and affect the masses instead of just 12 or 14 kids here and there. Yeah. So that's, that's yeah. pretty much, yeah, that's pretty much yeah. it. I think we also have to be mindful of the opportunities that um, our coaches are given to, right? Like I was in a situation with Cab at a time where we had the top girls team in a particular club. They were three-time regional champions and they were, they were overlooking me to give college kids jobs, right? When you talk about network, right? We are underrepresented in certain spaces, absolutely in this space in terms of being head coaches, unless you're in those networks, right? I wasn't a part of, I grew up in DC. I wasn't a part of those networks. I went to I wasn't a part of those networks, right? And so I didn't really understand the value of those things at that time, right? But we also have been mentored by Cab as the coach. And so I think that mentorship piece is important. So if we can get other black coaches, minority coaches into the fold to help provide them with perspective, open doors for them, give them some experience, a, a safe place to learn and develop as a coach. Like that's just as important as we go to community of coaches because those are the people who are going to affect a larger whole. Alex and I can't do all the coaching, right? So now we got to grow our network of coaches who can be just as impactful and influential. Um, so I think that's, there's twofold, right? There's the, the parent player side, but there's also how do we support coach growth um, in that same community because we also needed that 
um, coming through, right? But it's just we're we're in a different place than we were, you know, 10, 12 years ago to be able to support coaches going forward. Yeah. Let's kind of go back to something you mentioned in the previous podcast. But we need more of us looking out for us. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So when we when we see a kid who, who could be raw and needs a little bit of lead a little bit of a push, who's better to push for that kid than one of us? You know, we don't have enough of that. We don't have enough representation to say, you know what? No, that kid belongs here. We're not the scouts. You know what I mean? The wrong people are scouting the players. And I know I'm making some blowback for this. Look at the U.S. national team. Can't tell me that's the best in this in this, in this area. You can't tell me that. But who's the body? That's how we end in the podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next week, folks. When Alex has lost all of his jobs and is no longer accepted into his coaching licenses. <laughs> Facts. Facts. Hey. 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 I mean, I think all of us have seen some players that are like, yo, why are you not being, why are you not at this level? Yes, sir. No one is saying we need that. We need more of that. It's more so if we see a skillful player lose it, we'll stop doing that. Well, why? So we need people, we need more of us pushing for us, mm-hmm. going into those neighborhoods that they're not, they're not comfortable going into and say, hey, there's another way. Come here. And they listen to me because I come from that. Yeah. I speak your language. I understand that. Similar to what Deion Sanders is doing at Jackson State. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's going into those those neighborhoods people don't want to go into, having conversations, relating to them, and changing lives. So we can do the same thing. Yeah. Urban 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 communities are underrepresented in the game. And I think look, people people aren't gonna get it unless you're winning. Right. No matter yeah. what, no matter what we say here, no matter what we're talking about in terms of development, like that's cool. But you gotta show up somewhere. At a, at a space, tear the house down, play the yeah. type of ball that we like to play for people to ask questions. Yeah. Dr. Larry. We, yeah, like Larry did down at that. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, so that that's the hard reality it is. We're going to continue to do what we do with players, right? Because the, yeah. the, the history speaks for itself. We develop players. They go on to play at the next level, regardless of where they started. That's what we do. But yeah. nobody cares, right? Nobody's checking for us. Because we're not trying to be in everybody's top tournament because that's not always the, the level of the team that you work with. doesn't mean those players can't go on to have successful careers. But if, if you only look at it from the people who compete in those spaces, and not to say that we won't have teams competing, that we have had them, um, it, it's tough for, to, get, to get that message across. Mm. Um, because, again, it goes back to what do we measure success by? It's the result, Right. So you got to change the narrative of what the result is. And for us, that's kids going on to be good people. It's kids going on to play at the next level, et cetera, et cetera. It's not going to always be the W on a Sunday because to get the W on a Sunday, sometimes you got to do things that might not be great for kids. Somebody doesn't get to play, right? So then you got to ask yourself how much of that uh, is becomes detrimental to the kids in your program for that, you know, particular W. So yeah. I ain't do that, but yep, yep. All right. Um, 
just to be respectful of time, we're gonna we're gonna do a couple of these, especially as it starts to get warmer in person. Um, Absolutely. And you know, as always, it's a pleasure when we're recording. It's a pleasure when we're not recording. Uh, and so we'll definitely uh, be in touch. But before we before we go out, just real quick, if folks want to, um, you know, get in touch with you, especially you know, they had kids between. Uh, say, I don't know, six and nine, um, how can they reach out uh, to City? Yeah, I mean, I would I would say it's probably easiest to just email. Um, right now, we have a few social media handles. We have a website that will be launching soon. Um, but if you email uh, sportingdirector at citysportingclub.org, um, we'll get you the information that you, know, you may be asking for. Or on Instagram, City Sporting Club, we'll definitely reach out. Yeah. So. Nice, nice, nice. Thanks, fellas. Yo, it's always a blast. Always hey, talking. Appreciate always it. I can't wait for the next one. Let's, let's do this. I, I, yeah. I love this this platform that you guys are doing. So, James, if we get up. back on and I see another degree back there, brother, we'll <laughs> back conversation. No, the, the next one's gonna be in person. So, so oh, yeah, we're, okay. we're, we're, not, we're not gonna have any 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 things in the back. Yeah. Next one, I hope we all have for footballers only shirts. So mm. yeah, that would be dope. That, Man, that, no, no, we, I mean, uh, you, you know, we got some things in, in cook it. We got I'm we got a few things shirt. cooking. I got still you. Still waiting on my shirt. That's all I'm saying. Just not gonna show your shirt on Tuesday, bro. <laughs> Yeah, always right. a pleasure, guys. Thank you, appreciate you, fellas. It, guys. Hey, appreciate Thanks, it. Love you guys, man. You guys take care. You, man. Likewise. You too. Likewise. All right, fellas. That'll go. Cool. Bye.